Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin AC, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. My boss, sports editor Jay Posner. History uh, has been made, Jay, and it is the most unique. It is, you, you talk about history, and this one could be one where it's, it's a footnote to the season. But right. let's stop and, and understand that in the 220,000 games, right, no team has ever hit a Grand Slam in four straight games. That is incredible. It is. It's kind of hard to get your arms around. I mean, that's what, 440,000 chances? Chances, for, yes. For teams to for teams to do that. And I, I, I don't – I mean, it's like last night watching the game at home and, and the bases get loaded and, and my wife and I kind of look at each other like, you know, it can't happen again, right? And you just – just never think that that it would happen and he hit and Hosmer hits the ball and I, I went back this morning um, MLB did a, a little clip on uh, of all four home runs and you, you get the the Don Orsillo call on all four and he, he nails all four um, but the best one was last night and you could just hear the excitement in his voice of when the ball gets hit and, and as it's carrying and it just, his voice keeps, keeps rising. And, and then he, you know, he nails the welcome to slam Diego call. And I, I think, you know, on top of everything else, you know, it, it shows how lucky we are to have someone like Orsillo to, to document this history. I think there's a lot of, you know, not, it, it is a footnote to the, what was accomplished, but I, I think it adds to it that you have someone that really nails the call. I mean, it could have, could have really been butchered. And, and now you go back and watch it, and it's like, wow, that, that was really well done. So a, a, a tip of the cap to, to Orsillo and Mudd, who, who do a great job all the time. And, and, but, I mean, you just can't explain it, Kevin. I mean, that it, it, it couldn't happen, and yet it did. It's four different guys who did it. I mean, it wasn't like one guy got hot. I mean, I guess the one uh, thread through all of it was Fernando Tatis was involved in each one. Uh, yes, but let's of not forget that to... Austin Hedges was on base for two of them. So, <laughs> and Austin Hedges with a huge home run last night that you know really should have won the game, but uh, that gets to another problem that we'll get to later. But the idea that all these guys would come up with the bases loaded and get a hit, yeah, let alone I mean, how many t- right? I mean, how many times have we watched through the years where? The Padres have the bases loaded and, you know, somebody strikes out or hits into a double play or, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. And you're right. I mean, to get a hit and the fact that it's a home run and it's all for the the four guys basically in the middle of the lineup that you would, you know, you'd want to have up uh, in that situation. And, and all of them came through. So uh, pretty amazing. I hope people got a chance to to watch it and enjoy it. And, and they won all four games, too. They won all four games. And see, that's where that's why I talk about the footnote. Also in Padres history, like, look, stuff happens. And you, oh, this is the first time since, or they've never done this, or or whatever. Yet the team stinks. And or, right. you know, it was a loss. And it's kind of like, uh, and gosh, that almost happened a couple of times last night. But yeah. they won. And we do need to get to the fact of, or you know, the reality. I can't say it's a fact, but the reality, they probably can't keep winning. Uh, doing some of the things they're doing, but they won last night and they won all four. Also, we can't right. overlook the fact because of the excitement around this team. The first of these grand slams was evidently the most controversial thing in the world. <laughs> I know. And I was because nothing say, else has happened. 
I, I guess we need to get back to that. And that seems like it happened so long ago because so much has happened since. I, I was thinking about it this morning. I thought the one thing that Jace Tingler was right about in this situation at, from the very beginning was if he puts on the take sign, he, he expects the player to, to see it and follow through with it. But I, I think everything else he did after the game wasn't right because if a guy misses a sign, you don't call him out publicly for it, especially when he hits a grand slam. I think Let's- that's the kind of thing that should be taken care of in the clubhouse with Tatis. And it, it just seemed like he was concerned about the feelings of, you know, Chris Woodward and his former team and that sort of thing. And to, to Tingler's credit, the next day he did come out and, you know, get on a call with you guys and, and, and about two dozen more guys than, and women that are normally on a call, but, and sort of take responsibility and say, I shouldn't have given him the take sign. Uh, and it Let's sounds like this. the first question, which just happened to be from me, was about what was going on in the dugout and Jace Tingler's look that he gave Tatis. And uh-huh. everybody was already talking and tweeting about Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, uh, Wayne Kirby talking to him on the uh, – there's a certain amount of either he's going to lie or he's going to tell us we're going to keep it in-house and – or, you know – whatever, that these yeah. guys are living in a fishbowl. Jace Tingler did not handle it right. He was a deer in the headlights. He wasn't prepared for it. He, as you said, had the feelings of his friends. But I think also lost in there, because sometimes Jace, and I relate to him, does not speak in full sentences, and lost in one of his original answers was, we will never take this away from Fernando Tatis Jr. the way he plays. Right. But everybody glossed over <laughs> any of that because he didn't go ride or die with Fernando Tatis, and he didn't throw at the Rangers, and he didn't say what bastards they were. And so a lot of this was so overblown. And you know me, Jay. I'm going to push back on that a little bit because it was, oh, fire Jay Singler. You're showing your ignorance. When your wife does something, do you leave her right away? Does she leave you maybe a better question? Do you have any friends left because any of them have ever made a mistake? Jace Tingler has spent the last eight months bonding with these guys. Listen to how the Rangers talk about him. Unfortunately, all of us have been a little bit limited in terms of our our access to, and when we have less access, you have less access um, to to this team. But I can promise you, because I do talk to people and have written about and talked about some of it, the man, one of his strengths is one-on-one relationships. And he, so he messed up. So a few of the guys were like, huh, wonder why he said that. In no way did this put a rift in the clubhouse at all. Did Jay Stingler need to go and make sure that there was super glue on his relationship with mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr.? Oh, absolutely. And, right. you know, there's a reason that he doesn't, you know, he didn't, he doesn't usually do pre, pre-game uh, news conferences before and after your game. And he did that day. There's a reason he messed up. I'm not taking that away, but this thing was so overblown. Wow. How it wasn't overblown. The Padres decided, Hey, let's have some fun with this. Let's beat the Rangers really good. Right. Right. And I said this at the end of the podcast on Monday, that there were reasons to be concerned about the Padres after last week, they'd lost five in a row. They were 11 and 12. They were, I think at that point, a game out of the playoffs. I also said there were 37 games left to be played. A lot could happen in that time. They could probably make up a game in that time and get into and get into the playoffs. They couldn't have too many more weeks like they did last week. They needed to win some games, and that's what they did. And if this 
you know, if this helped them do that, then, you know, that's, that's great for them, whatever, you know, whatever they need for the little bits of, of motivation. But, you yeah. know, I, in some sort of weird way, this was a great thing for the Padres and especially for Fernando Tatis and even for baseball. Look how many people around the country were talking about the Padres and Fernando Tatis and in a good way for the most part. I mean, maybe not about Tingler, but, you know, look, the, the Padres have the most exciting player in baseball right now. I'm not going to call him the best player, but he's the most exciting player in baseball right now. And the nation noticed that. That's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing for him. It's a good thing for baseball. It's a good thing for the Padres. And the fact that they then went on and he came out and continued to play as well as he has been playing. Obviously, he's not bothered by it. It's not a distraction or any of the other stuff that you that you hear about. You know, all the unwritten rule stuff has been beat to death. The idea of not trying to score more runs when you're up by seven runs is, is absurd, especially if anybody's watched this team play. And that's that's all nonsense. But the idea that, you know, Jace went to Tatis, got it straightened out. Tatis is obviously is obviously not bothered by it. And it doesn't sound like the rest of the team is as well. And as we've seen, they went on and they haven't lost since that game. Let's let's stop to appreciate how difficult it is for anyone to do what Fernando Tatis Jr. does on a daily basis without all the hype without all the expectations, the pressure, uh, all the people watching. And yet he does it with all that. That's just amazing. It's like Jake Cronenworth said last night, Jake Cronenworth is a man of few words. Uh, but, you know, every once in a while, men of few words have, uh, you know, just gems uh, because life is so simple to them. And he just said, you know, besides saying he doesn't have very much more he can say, he said, it's exciting when he walks. You know, he's, he said he's over two last night and we're all waiting for something to happen. You yeah, know, now all we right. did was get like a hundred mile an hour single, but like, right. it's exciting when he walks and it was actually the night before the, uh, the nine pitch walk. That was exciting. Um, right, right. No, it's, you, you can't, I mean, he's the guy and, and I, I, you know, Machado is almost in this category, especially when he's, when he's playing well, like he has been over the last couple of weeks, but he's, he's the guy that you cannot, and I've said this before, you cannot miss an at-bat of Fernando Tatis, and you really can't miss him in the field either. But you, you, when he's up to bat, you have to be watching. And, you know, yeah, occasionally he has some bad at-bats, but that, that happens to everybody. But he's way more, way more good at-bats and way more Give fun at-bats. And, and just, the, just, the, just the joy that he shows during, you know, during games and, and in the dugout and, and all that sort of thing. And you can just tell it's infectious and, uh, and it really help. It's really seems to help the rest of the team. Give me 30 seconds. Um, the unwritten rules by and large are dumb. Sometimes maybe if we didn't call them unwritten rules, we wouldn't get up so upset about them. And I think that being up seven runs with the bases loaded and uh, the eighth inning, mm-hmm. this bullpen aside, it might just be courteousness to not swing at a 3-0 pitch. And that goes back 100 years in baseball. And not everything that goes back before Twitter is bad. So, um, you know, they, there was, Manny Machado knew he was getting thrown at. Eric Hosmer knew that there was an issue with it. Everybody that had been around the game knew there was an issue with it. Now, that's that. It is surprising Jace Tingler did that with his bullpen like it is. And we've addressed all that. I want to say... You can't use every single thing to support your cause. 
And when I finally last night saw the thousandth tweet, and it was by someone extremely reputable who's extremely knowledgeable, um, who said that yesterday's Phillies Blue Jays game was an example that you can never score enough runs. The Phillies were up seven to zero in the top of the first. By the bottom of the first, it was only a five run lead. And people were comparing that as if they were both two manzanita apples, and they were not. And I just find it, you don't need to reach so far to support your, Jace Tingler has acknowledged he was wrong, Jace Tingler was wrong. I think that it was wonderful that, I even think the punishment that Chris Young handed down, everybody's reaction, both in and out of the game, this was a flashpoint for the unwritten rules. We don't need to keep hammering this. They are Those are completely opposite things, being up by five runs after the first inning and being up by seven in a gigantic ballpark against a crappy team in the eighth <laughs> inning. I took 35 seconds. I'm sorry. Okay. I think it was more than that. But the anyway. Bullpen. The bullpen. That was a segue to the bullpen. Uh, they're bad. And they're <laughs> tired. Now, see, not everybody down there is bad. There's guys that are actually pitching well. But – not as well as you thought. Kirby Yates is gone. Drew Pomerantz has shoulder quote tightness. Um, they're 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 underwater basically. It's bad. Well, and I and I think the the problem is you have guys that you think you can rely on, and we talked about this on Monday because Pagan had had like four straight good outings, and you thought okay he's turned it around now, and then he gives up the big home run, and I think. I think Matt Strom was that's sort of that same situation the other night. Matt Strom was the guy that needed to be on the mound in that situation to face Joey Gallo. He's the guy that's he's the left-hander that's pitched really well. And, you know, basically at that point, it's him or Tim Hill. Now, Tim Hill's pitched really well the last couple of nights, but Tim Hill had you not were pitched Tim great. Hill out there. Right. Yeah, Tim Hill had not pitched great before that. Matt Strom had. So I, I think. You know, there's always the idea every time a reliever gives up a run, Jace Tingler doesn't know how to manage a, a bullpen. It was the same thing with Andy Green. I'm sure it was the same thing with Bud Black and Bruce. And, you know, Bruce Boshi was a genius because he won all these World Series managing the bullpen. Well, the reason that they won all those World Series with the bullpen is because when he brought in a reliever, the reliever did his job. And that's what it comes down to. Right now, the Padres relievers are not doing their job as often as they should be. Look, they're going to give up runs. Matt Strom's going to give up home runs occasionally. It doesn't mean he was the wrong guy to have to have out there. The Padres need Matt Strom and Emilio Pagan and whoever else to not give up so many home runs in key situations. And let's face it, last just talking about last night, and I said this on Twitter, I don't think the bullpen was necessarily bad yeah. last night. Pagan was, gave up a key home run. But Baez came in, and if Jake Cronenworth completes a simple double play, he's out of the inning. Or if Trent Grisham catches a ball that probably 95% of center fielders, including Trent Grisham usually, oh, catch, then he's out of the inning. So, it's I mean, yeah, Baez walked a guy when he didn't have, but to me – And he, put the, he got hit hard. It's, it, that he you did. want to talk about the nuances of the game, he would have got out of that inning. Everybody would have thought he was great, and it was like, that guy was thrown to the center of the plate. He got out of the inning because his defense did what it was supposed to do. Sure. But these what are little nuances we look we overlook. Right. Right. And and then I thought Patino came in and threw well, you know, and he he busted a bat, which turned into a single. I mean, it happens. He allegedly hit a guy on the elbow, which A, I'm not even sure it hit him, 
And no. Two, if, and two, if it did hit him, like you said, maybe it hit a strand of a thread of the of his armored elbow or whatever. He stuck his elbow in front of the pitch, which he had done for the second time in this series. And of course, any crew that has Alfonso Marquez on it is not going to be any good. And so we saw that we saw that last night, even though it wasn't Marquez's call. But so I, and and then Patino, um, you know, so he ended up giving up a run, and that was a hard a hard single. But I think there are times where the bullpen hasn't been quite as bad as maybe the numbers are. They need a little help. They also need to pitch better. And Yates is probably gone for the year. If there's anything really wrong with Pomerantz, there's big trouble coming. If there's anything wrong with Pomerantz, you got to start thinking about which prospect you're giving away if this season is important to you. And, and I've been waiting Correct. to write about this for more than a week. Um, and depending on who's, and depending on who's available. I mean, I don't know what cool. sort of, what, what closers are out there that people are willing to, to, you know, surrender at this point becomes the other, the other. Yeah. Issue you like might that. have to start be talking about getting like a couple relievers to do some sort of unconventional, you know, thing here. And, and Cal Quantrill becomes your closer or whatever. Um, maybe you know, that, maybe, I, and maybe that's the answer. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I mean, Quantrill's problem the other night was not being able to field that ball, I think next to the mound, but you know, maybe that's something that, uh, that he does. I mean, they're, they're going to have to, to do something because right now they, you know, guys become unavailable and whoever is asked to step into that role hasn't, hasn't been able to do it. Although Pierce, I, I can't even remember. Was it Pierce Johnson who pitched the 10th last night? Pierce Johnson, he did. And and, and honestly, he had, what was, his, was him, it his previous outing? It wasn't great, but or maybe it was two before that. But he'd also been on a run. And it was someone that internally they were like, hey, you know what? Here's a guy that we're going to probably ask to step up. And, right. you know, uh, look, and look, Matt Strom has given up. Has he given up home runs to Yastrzemski and Gallo? Now he, he, and Gallo, I mean, Yastrzemski hit a really good pitch. The pitch to Gallo wasn't a good pitch. Right. Um, I think you can, just like with Craig Stammen, you can go, all right, they need to do a better job in that situation, but we're not worried about them. To your point, guys you're expecting to count on, Emilio Pagan, there's something wrong with the fastball. There just is. I mean, right, right. I don't know. I think you might need to be worried more about that fastball than Drew Pomeranz's shoulder at this point because, you know, it's just, wow. It's it, Is he going to get anybody out? He's going to make one bad pitch. Every outing, yeah. it seems like. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it seems like. And Stam and Stammen, I, I know he's he's a punching bag among a lot of fans. He's had two bad outings this year, and I think he's had nine nine good ones. Now the bad ones were really bad. He throws ninety one miles an hour, and if it's he's gonna not get on, hit sometimes he's going to get hit. But think about what he's done the the, the two nights before this, because right. it doesn't get to the end. I mean, this team loses by seven runs if Craig Stammen isn't there. So. Uh, those are great points, Jay, because just like always with a bullpen, it's not that they're the worst ever. There is zero margin of error when your team, you know, and I'm not going to pick on a team that just hit four grand slams (laughs) and is hitting home runs like constantly, but that's a little bit of a, you know, you got a little warning in your head too when you can only score by the home run. And every game is a one-run game. Now, that offense did plenty to win last night um, and the night before and the night before and the night before. Um, but, 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 you know, they, they, they're not putting teams away. And then clearly the bullpen isn't capable of keeping teams down when they do have them. So uh, these are not things that – these are things that, like, I don't know, the team coming in, 
does. They've won eight in a row. Uh, the Dodgers yeah. do where it's not always like, well, when this is going good, this isn't. And, and the other way around, it's like, man, how about you hit four grand slams and the bullpen shuts out some games and we all go home early. <laughs> and, and like we've talked about, I mean, if, if the, right. And if the bullpen's not, you know, not going well, um, other people have to step up. The offense has stepped up the last several Absolutely. days. The defense needs to do that as well. And last night we saw where the defense didn't didn't help out. So, you know, look, everybody they need they need all the all the aspects working well. And and they've won four in a row, and and that's a great that's a great sign. And they you know it would have been great if they could have played the Astros a couple of weeks ago, as opposed to this Astros team, which as you said is has won eight in a row, and and even with a bunch of injuries. Um, you know, and they, and now Bregman's gone. Uh, Alvarez is done for the year. I mean, there's a lot of guys that they are that they are missing, but they they did beat up on the Rockies this week. You know, the Rockies are are you know in the tank uh, right now, but the, but that's good for the Padres that the, the Rockies are are struggling. I mean, the idea above all else, right? You know, remember is to finish in second place, and um, right now they're in second place. I think they're even in the all important loss column, but they're you know. They're in second place, and that—that's what they need to do. They need to stay. Uh, they need to stay right there and take advantage of you know this homestand. They've got six more games um, at home against Houston and Seattle, and they've got an off day coming Monday. So look, things are a lot brighter than they were when we spoke on Monday, and yet there are still reasons for concern, primarily the bullpen and especially. If Pomerantz is, if there's anything really wrong with Pomerantz, because I just don't see anybody, you know, it's hard to have three, clo- they've got two closers on the team, uh, you know, and you figured Pagan was a third, but it's hard to count on him right now. Yeah, you might even figured Pomerantz was the third, uh, and and then obviously the season began and it switched. You know, I want to point out too, like every team has middling relievers, you do. So, of course. you know, and that, that's, but you need those guys at the back end, and that's why that is so important. The other thing is, I'll tell you, that Jake Cronenworth mentioned it after the game, and you know Trent Grisham, uh, maybe he's washed it off, as they say, by now. Mm-hmm. But after the game, he knew that it's not just that you almost cost him the game. You made Pierce Johnson pitch, you know? So Pierce Johnson isn't available today. You, right. you know, that's right. that's the problem. You made Zach Davies walk down to the bullpen. Now, you, you know, you might have made Zach Davies throw last night. That's uh, that's the problem, and it's actually happened a fair amount this year. Um, I forget the game it was, but Grisham had another one. Uh, and then there was a game against Arizona, I think someone made a gaffe, where, oh, no, now so-and-so has to pitch, right? right. Instead right. of he was going to have the night off, and what I don't think any of us have a full grasp on. And I certainly know that most people watching the game don't have a full grasp on. Larry Rothschild does, um, and, and Jace Tingler does. Um, and Ben Fritz does the bullpen coach is the wear and tear on these guys. And who's, who's going to be out there pitching at 65%, which they would never do, but you know, 80%. Um, right. And that, that's a big deal. I'm not trying to make excuses for this bullpen, but that's a big deal. Well, and we never, you know, watching the game, we don't ever know who's up or down for a particular game either. I mean, it was pretty obvious last night that when Pomerantz didn't come into pitch in in one of those late innings, that something had to be wrong. With and a little behind I mean, the, the idea that people, yeah, it's like you know, it's like, oh, how could how could the manager not put Pomerantz in here? Well, you know, it's it's pretty obvious if you know you, if somebody's not if somebody's not in a spot that they're normally in, that something is make, going on. 
you don't make assumptions, but at that point, like, you know, I actually kind of yelled out in the, in the uh, press box and, and just a little, you know, inside reporting type of situation behind the scenes here is in a normal season, in a normal uh, manager, I don't know, Jace is pretty close to the vest. And I think that that's uh, how his boss likes it too. But every manager I've ever covered, uh, every manager I ever know would have pulled aside the beat writers after the pregame scrum yesterday and right. said, look, Pomeranz is down. We, you can't write it, but wow. he's down. So that the people covering the game and disseminating the information know what's going on. They don't give the Rangers a competitive advantage. But right. the fact is he was asked repeatedly about it yesterday um, before the game. He'd been asked the day before as well, and he lied. And that's what managers do because they're trying to keep it from the other team. But, and that's just where we're at in this season. There's a lot of stuff that is just not known until it's known. And it's, it's, well, it's very unique. Right. And, and we'll see how serious this is. I mean, I, I thought his comment was sort of, you know, he's day to day. Will he be back tomorrow? Will he be back the next day? Will he be back after the off day on Tuesday? It's like, wait a minute. Now, <laughs> Those are big now, differences. <laughs> to, to me, that was a bit of a red flag there because he pitched on Tuesday, right? The bullpen day uh-huh. on Tuesday. And, and Morahom looked great that day, by the way. Um, and um, he pitched on Tuesday. Now he's not going to pitch for a week, maybe. That's Now you're starting to talk about where, you know, there might be even more reason for concern and again, if we don't see him this weekend. The, the lack of access, the inability to just always raise someone on the phone. The, it's just easier exactly. to information in person. He hadn't pitched for six days before that. So now you've got to start to ask yourself, yeah, well, has this been going on? And and there's just, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that this year is it's part of the uniqueness of, 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 of this season. But uh, it brings up like, what what really is going on? And you are absolutely right. That, that was a little... You know, Jason's not a liar. There's a difference between a manager yeah. lying and being a liar. And right, right there, it was sort of like the honesty in Jace coming out. Like, we are very <laughs> confident he's going to be back. You know, will it be tomorrow? Will it be, you know, Tuesday? Is it green eggs and ham? I don't know. It was like a little, <laughs> a little nursery or a little mystery in a nursery rhyme he gave us there. Um, well, and right. I also wonder a little bit, going back to Tuesday's game, you know, that was the game where, where Pomerantz came in in the seventh inning. And, and I thought, okay, well, I, I don't expect him. I, I think Mark Grant even mentioned on the broadcast, when was the last time we saw a three-inning save? Um, which I didn't. I wasn't really thinking that it would be three innings, but I thought maybe he would go two. Right. And he came out after four outs. And now I'm starting to wonder, you know, as you said, he hadn't pitched for a few days before that, hasn't pitched for a few days after that. You know, was that a situation where he, he kind of said, okay, I think I can do it. And then he went out and threw, and he threw okay. But he said, "All right, I can't do any more." I mean, I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that we don't that we don't know. But there's clearly an issue with Pomerantz, and and it's one that the Padres, you know, have to obviously hope is is not very serious because he's a guy that they really really need right now. And I did write in the in the newsletter about this and and the situation in the bullpen, and and it was my conclusion that even if he's healthy, I, I think it's imperative. It was already something that they were asking about and, you know, trying to find a reliever. And I think that even if Pomeranz's, you know, shoulder is quote unquote fine, he can go out tomorrow or today that (laughs) this just bumped it up to, you know, DEFCON 4, DEFCON 2. Does it go down, Jay, DEFCON? I don't know. 
They need a reliever is what you're saying. But anyway, it's it's almost an emergency that they need to find a reliever and or two, depending on yeah. what they can get. And they need to figure out sort of who's their backup closer at this point. I mean, you know, it, you figured it would be Pagan, but he's not exactly trustworthy at the moment. So now who are you looking at? Are you looking at Strom? Are you looking at uh, Cal Quantrill? Are you looking at Craig Salmon? I, I mean, who knows from a particular is it going to be just kind of, is it Pierce Johnson who's available on a day-to-day basis? I mean, there's nobody working out at USD right now that is going to come in and be a closer. Uh, I mean, they've gotten, you know, they got Morahone to come over and, and throw the three, the three good innings. And of course, you know, that wasn't enough for people either. It was like, why didn't he throw more? Well, you know, we don't know how much he's been pitching. He's uh, been throwing, he threw basically exactly what he's been throwing at USD. Right. Uh, it's they got what they wanted out of him, and, and, and you know, you got to go on. And, uh, and, shoulder issues. and they decided, yeah. you know, this year he's uh, going to kind of be, I don't know, eased. He's he's not going to be a guy that they're going to ask to go five or six innings. Now, I don't know what they think is, is possible. Could he go up to 45? Can then he go up to 50? Can, you know, by the end of the year, if he's pitching well, let's try to remember, doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Um, Can he close? Well, let's start to think about here too. Is there's only four starters on this team, so I, I, uh, and one of them is much, 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 much better with an extra day's rest. Um, now I'm not sure they can afford to do that. And maybe you know, look, it's a small sample size yeah. for what Chris Paddock's done on on quote regular rest. So maybe it's not like we've proven that he can't do it. Let's, but he's, he's definitely injuries, better, he's definitely been better when he's had five days with all these injuries. Uh, it's going on all over the league and with them having to figure out how to get Chris Paddock, by the way, Denelson Lamette was on an extra day yesterday. Garrett Richards already had an extra day. Um, The I'm telling you the lead up to this season. And then the Padres had five off days scheduled in the original schedule, the first month of the season. Right. One. Now there were built in off days for pitchers in the beginning of the season for a reason, because having to play every day for regular guys and having for pitchers to pitch more is not good for them. Now, they got to get in all the games, but I don't think there can be any doubt because it's not just the Padres. It happens to be catching up to them actually later than some other teams. Everybody's arms are having issues with this season. Not all of them are related. Kirby Yates had bone chips, okay? Right, but right. not all of them are related. You're going to have arm issues anyway. But I don't think there could be any questioning that the uniqueness of this, the hurry up, the stop, the go, the stop, the go, and then boom, let's play, is uh, is affecting pitchers. Right, and it's why you can't just say, well, the starters need to pitch seven or eight innings because you throw a guy seven or eight innings a couple times in a row and maybe he's not ready for that, and now you don't have him at all. So – Again, it's a whole team thing, and they all need to, you know, everybody needs to do your job, as a famous football coach uh, has said before. So, um, anyway, we're quoting lots of men with uh, a few words, Cronenworth, Belichick, and we've gone past the magic 30-minute uh, <gasps> the 30-minute mark. So We haven't done that in a long time. It's been, it's been a while, and there was there were stuff we didn't even get to. But uh, the Astros are here this weekend. We will uh, – I, I, we will see what they are what they are up Frankie to. Frankie on Sunday we'll... against TBD. 
Uh, tonight is McCullers Richards. It'd be a real good one, I think. Yep. And uh, some rookie, I, I uh, for, forgive me, uh, but this kid is pitching really well. He's going against uh, Zach Davies tomorrow. They got a right-hander. I think he's 3-0, and not giving up any hits, uh, the Astros. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it'll be fun. Hey, it's as we've said, it's not boring, right? So. It is not. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.